First of all, put a marker at James chapter 3. We'll get to that one later. Put a marker at James chapter 3, and then open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've been talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Recently, we've been going through the gifts of the Spirit. Last week, we covered prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so this week, I want to talk about a prayer language. So uh, this uh, hopefully will help you in this area, that the Holy Spirit desires to pray through us and wants to pray through us. Uh, I want you to know that you may have grown up in a, in a traditional church that uh, did not use the gifts, or you may have grown up in a church that abused the gifts. Whether they were, weren't used or whether they were abused, they're in the Bible. <laughs> and we need to learn about them. And I want to help you in this area. Uh, I want to tell you a story as you get to these two passages, James 3 and 1 Corinthians 14. Let me just tell you a story. God created everyone, and everyone spoke one language. And you've probably heard this story. They all came together, and they decided to build a tower that would reach to heaven. I've always wondered why God didn't let them try. And the reason he didn't let them try was because he said they could do it. Now, that kind of blows me away. And I want you to think about this. We emphasize that they were in unity. This story's in Genesis 11. I'm just telling you the story. We've emphasized the reason they could do it was because they were in unity. But the Bible tells us something a little more. It says they all had one language. They only had, this was the only language they had. Now, this is the language that God gave Adam and Eve when he created them. I wonder what language it was. I want you to just think with me for a moment. Some obviously would think it's English, you know, some of us prideful Americans. Some of us might have thought it's Texan, you know, because the, the Europeans don't actually think we speak English, but we speak uh, uh, something close to it, the likeness of it. Uh, some people believe it's Hebrew because obviously God chose Israel and uh, they were Hebrews, but you know, Abraham wasn't until about 2,000 years later. And so we, we try to figure out what this language was. Well, think about it. This is the language that God gave them when he created them. And this is what he says in Genesis 11. He says, with the language they have, they can do anything they purpose in their heart to do. And we're going to have to go down and take this language away from them. And so he went down, and from that point, the Bible tells us, all languages were formed. That's where they were created. And he gave them all these different languages, and he took that language from them. Now, uh, let me just show you a verse, and we'll get to 1 Corinthians 14 in a moment. But Zephaniah 3, verse 9 says, Then I will restore, restore to the peoples a pure language. <laughs> I don't think this would be any language on earth. Because I think every language known to man has profanity in it. And the word restore means I'm going to give it back to them. They had it, but now I'm going to give it back. And then just once you notice, then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they may call on the name of the Lord. That sounds like praying to me. Don't you? Didn't that kind of sound like praying? That they may call on the name of the Lord. 
to serve him with one accord. Now, here's the Old Testament, and it uses this phrase, one accord. Have you ever heard that phrase anywhere else, one accord? Anyone think about that? Remember in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, day of Pentecost, and they received a language from heaven. And you remember what it says? This is what the first thing it says in Acts 2, verse 1. It says, and they were all together in one accord, and he gave them a language. Well, that's what we want to talk about. Do we have a language from heaven that we can pray, that we can call on the name of the Lord with? It's different from tongues and interpretation tongues because that is something that's a gift that's used when we come together. And if that gift of tongues is used, it must be accompanied by the gift of interpretation. That's what we read last week. That's what we said last week. But what about a prayer language? That gift of tongues is from God. It's a message from God. In other words, God speaks to someone and someone else interprets it. It's like prophecy. It's a message from God. But can we speak to God in tongues? To God, not from, to. Well, let me tell you some things about tongues, all right, about a prayer language. Number one, it's biblical. That's the first thing that we need to settle. It's biblical. It is in the Bible. Now, are you in 1 Corinthians 14? All right, look at verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So, so far we've seen it is biblical to speak in a tongue to God. That would be a prayer. To God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit. Now, I want you to notice these three words. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, this is speaking in tongues, and it calls it speaking in the Spirit. See? Notice this. For he who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. That's a prayer. To God, praying in tongues, in tongues, to God. Howbeit in the, in the Spirit, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, in the Spirit. Now, this is talking about speaking in tongues, and it says in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So, first of all, we see in the Bible, it is biblical to speak in tongues to God. Does everyone see that? It's real clear, verse 2 there, all right? Now, look down at verse 14. Chapter 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My spirit prays. You are spirit, soul, and body. Your soul prays, that's your mind, your will, and your emotion. When you pray in English or whatever language you speak, you're praying, your soul is praying. But if you pray in tongues, your spirit is praying. That's what the Bible says. For if I pray in a tongue, pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding or my mind is what many verses, many uh, versions translate that as, and that is the word for mind. My understanding, my mind is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Now watch the conclusion. I will pray with the Spirit. That's got to be talking about in tongues because that's what he's talking about here. And I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, now what would blessing with the Spirit be? It would be praying in the Spirit or singing in the Spirit. That's the two things we just saw. And that would be in tongues. The reason it would be in tongues is because it's very clear. Watch what it says. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit or pray or sing in tongues, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, your prayer, since he does not understand what you say? 
So singing in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit's got to be in tongues. He says, for indeed you gave thanks well, you prayed well, but the other is not edified, because he doesn't understand. So many people have tried to argue with this passion and say, well, praying with the Spirit doesn't mean praying in tongues. Well, it's the context of the whole chapter. I mean, how can you take this thing out of context? And he says, if you do it, the person who's hearing you isn't going to be able to say amen because they don't understand what you're saying. So praying with the Spirit, singing with the Spirit, has got to refer to praying in tongues in an unknown language, all right? And this is what he says. And for you, give thanks well. Giving thanks is praying. You know, uh, some of you probably have heard this expression. My, my father used to say this expression at the table. Let's give thanks. And what what that mean we were about to do? We were about to pray. We are about to bless the food, right? Let's give thanks. Let's pray. He says, you gave thanks well in this language, but the one beside you, he can't say amen because he doesn't understand. Now, again, he is giving... Um, he's giving instructions here for in the church, when you come together as a church. So in 1 Corinthians 14, he's talking about tongues and interpretation of tongues, and he's talking about a prayer language, all right? Because he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Your spirit wants to pray, and the Holy Spirit wants to pray through your spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to help us pray in the spirit and with our understanding. Most believers, well, let me say this, many believers go through life only praying with their own understanding. And would you admit that you don't know everything? So why pray with just your understanding? This this is what Paul is saying. He said, let me tell you the conclusion. I'm going to pray with my understanding, and I'm going to pray with his understanding. (laughs) I'm going to sing with my understanding, and I'm going to sing with his understanding with things that I don't understand. My spirit's going to pray, but I don't understand it. But I'm going to do both. I'm going to pray with my own intellect. I'm going to pray with his intellect. The Holy Spirit wants to help us pray in English and in a, in a language we don't know. Let me show you another passage. Romans 8 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. That's good news, isn't it? <laughs> the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for. Now, I, I don't want to go any farther. Just for a moment, I want you to notice this phrase. For we do not know what we should pray for. I just want you to know that the Bible says we don't know what to pray for. <laughs> is, is that kind of clear? That's one of those little phrases that we would read over in the Bible. I don't want you to read over this one. The Bible says, for we do not know what we should pray for. Do, do you all see that? Hello? Okay, I didn't know if you'd already dozed off. It's, it's never dozed off on the first point. Okay, it's too early to doze. For we do not know what we should pray for. Everyone see that? We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself, I love the word Himself. If you don't have a Bible program, buy a Bible program, get on the computer so you can type in a word, look it up through the whole Bible, look up the word Himself through the whole New Testament. And watch how many times it says the Father Himself, the Son Himself, the Spirit Himself. What that tells me is is that God is a personal God. He doesn't send an angel to pray for me. He prays Himself for me. The Holy Spirit intercedes for me on earth, and Jesus intercedes for me in heaven at the right hand of the Father. How could I fail with Jesus and the Holy Spirit praying for me? That's good news. The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, that's good news. He's interceding for me according to the will of God. And verse 28, we all know. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Have you all heard of Romans 8, 28 before? You ever say that? Well, you know the Bible says all things work together for good. Okay, now let me explain something to you. Verse 28 says, and we know, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God or call according to his purpose. We know this. Well, see, all things do work together for good. The question is, do you know that? That's the question. <laughs> they do work for your good. But when you lose your job, when you get a bad report from the doctor, do you really know that all things work together? Do you know it? You, you follow what I'm saying? Now, here's how you know it. This is what Romans 8.28 says, actually. We've missed this. It not only says all things work together for good, it says we know it. But let me tell you what it says. It says, and we, well, let me just paraphrase. See, most people know verse 28. They don't know 25, 26, and 27. They don't know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and through us. So this is what verse 28 is actually saying. And we, those of us who know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and through us, those of us who know this, we also know that all things work together for our good. But if we don't have the revelation that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and through us, and if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us, then we may have a situation in our life that we really don't know whether it's going to work for our good or not. The way to have the knowledge that things are going to work for our good is to be in tune and in touch with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's saying. That's the context of verse 38. We, we memorize these verses in the Bible because we like them. But we don't memorize the verses before and after. And what verse 28 is saying is, you really won't know that things are going to work for your good if you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you and through you. If you come to this place where you have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit, no matter what happens and no matter what report you're going to get, you're immediately going to say, well, it's going to work for my good. This is going to work for my good. Because you have a knowing. You have a knowing inside because the Holy Spirit is interceding through us. We should pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue. So Paul prayed in the Spirit. Paul prayed in a prayer language. Now, would you agree with me that Paul is probably one of the greatest Christians to ever live? Would you agree with that? Okay, well, let, let's, just, let's just prove it, that he was probably one of the greatest Christians to ever live. He wrote one-third of the New Testament. That's one-third more than you wrote. Okay, you want to agree with that? Um, he wrote, wrote one-third of the Bible, New Testament, of the New Testament part of the Bible. One-third of it. it. He's probably a good Christian. You, you, you agree with that? He, here's what he said in one of the things he wrote. He said, now some of the things that God has shown me, I can't write to you because you wouldn't understand it. Okay, we have a problem understanding what he did write. I wonder what he didn't write. So he's probably, he probably had a lot of revelation, don't you think? Matter of fact, the Bible says that Paul was caught up in the third heaven. While he was on this earth, in the spirit, he was caught up in the third heaven. We hope to just make it to the first. 
Here's this guy that has all this revelation, so much revelation, he can write one-third of the New Testament, and he has even more revelation now that he can't write to us because we couldn't even understand it. How did he get all this revelation? Now, remember what he said in 1 Corinthians 14. I pray in tongues more than all of you. If the greatest Christian that ever lived prayed in the Spirit, you think you should pray in the Spirit? It's a guy that understood the mysteries of God. Matter of fact, we just read a moment ago that says, the one who prays in a, in a tongue speaks the mysteries of God. And here's the guy that understood the mysteries of God. And he's a guy who prayed in tongues more than the rest of them. I think we should pray in the Spirit. It's biblical to pray in the Spirit. And here's the second thing. It strengthens us. Now, I'm going to show you more verses that it's biblical, but I didn't want to put them all on point one. Okay, There's going to be more verses that prove it's biblical, but I want to show you it strengthens us. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, that, that's good right there. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who speaks prophesies edifies the church. Now, he's drawing a contrast here in the corporate worship service He's saying, I want you to prophesy when you're in the corporate service. I want you to see this word, but, here, okay? You see the word, but? It almost sounds like, I don't want you to do the first one. But that's really not what it means. In the Greek, this word is in the New Testament over 5,000 times. All it is is a conjunction. That's all it is. I, um, my Greek uh, test in college was to um, um, conjugate the verb luo, uh, which is uh, I loose. And there's 127 conjugations of the verb luo. 127. Now, you say, well, that's, oh, I can't even believe it. Well, you, you probably did this in school. You don't remember. You did the verb be. Remember? I am, you are, he is, we are, you are, they are. You remember that? I be, he be, he be done did. You remember all you? You don't remember any of this, do you? <laughs> well, uh, in the Greek, all this is, it's just, it's just a small word, all right? It's in the New Testament over 5,000 times. But let me explain something to you. Over 90% of the time, it's not translated but. Most of the time, over 90% of the time, it's translated and. Now, look at the Scripture again, all right? He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And he who prophesies edifies the church. See, you could translate it that way. I think it's translated this way because he's contrasting a public worship service. He's trying to explain something, all right, about private and public. Here's the point, though. Don't throw out the first part of the verse. The first part of the verse says, He who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. That's not bad. That's good to be built up. Is there anyone here that would say, I just don't need any building up? I never get discouraged. I never get disappointed, Pastor. I just don't need that building up stuff. I'm as built up as I can get. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm probably as much like Jesus, too, as anyone on this earth. I always respond in a Christ-like way. I just don't need any more building up. No, every one of us need to be built up, right? So the Bible says, here's something you can do that will build you up. Why aren't you doing it? We should be doing it all the time. And who is the one that tried to get us to think that this gift of the Holy Spirit is from the devil? 
That is amazing to me. It's got to be the greatest lie that Satan has ever told that the, uh, something that the Bible says is from the Holy Spirit is actually from the devil. And there's no verse in this Bible that says it's from the devil. So Satan says, you know, if they get a hold of this language, this pure language, if they get a hold of this and they build themselves up with it, I'm in trouble. So I'm going to make up a whole bunch of lies about this. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep the body of Christ from getting a hold of this restored pure language. It builds us up. It strengthens us. It's part of the armor of God. Did you know that? You ever, you ever read Ephesians 6 about the armor of God? You ever read that? Did you know praying in tongues is part of the armor of God? Well, let's just read it. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I just want you to know something. Does it say put on part of the armor of God? Hello? Does it say put on some of the armor of God? No. Does it say put on the whole armor? Okay. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Twice it says you better get the whole armor on or you'll be in trouble. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is all part of the armor. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, look, the verse doesn't end. The, 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 the sentence doesn't end. It keeps going here. Look here. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This part of the armor of God. And the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. How many believers aren't putting on the whole armor? How many believers are only putting on part of the armor and then wondering why they're getting the, the living daylight beat out of them by the enemy? Because they're not putting on the whole armor. Praying in the Spirit. Now, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, For he who prays in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for in the Spirit. In the Spirit. He said, you know what the conclusion is? I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I don't pray with my understanding also. I'm going to pray with the Spirit. I'm going to pray with my understanding. Jude verse 20. Look, look at Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? Praying in the Holy Spirit builds yourselves up. It builds us up. Now listen, if there's something that we can do that will build us up, we should be doing it all the time. We should be doing it as much as we can. We should be doing it when we, when we get up in the morning. We should be doing it when, we when we're taking a shower. We should be doing it when we're brushing our hair. Don't do it when you brush your teeth. It gets the mirror messy. I've already found that out. But do it every, all the rest of the time. We should be doing it when we're driving. We should be doing it when we're mowing the yard. We should be doing it when we're doing the dishes. We should be doing it when we're ironing. We should be doing it in between phone calls. All the time we should be praying in the Spirit. We should be doing it on the way to the office. Some of you have a 30-minute commute to the office. 30 minutes you could be building yourselves up every day. Building yourselves up. 
We should be doing it all the time. We should be praying in the Spirit, seeing in the Spirit, talking in the Spirit, just continually building ourselves up. That's what this is saying. If praying in the Spirit builds us up, we need to do it all the time. All the time. Just build ourselves up, build ourselves up, build ourselves up. I, uh, I really caught this revelation. A few years ago, I was with this pastor, a great pastor, great church, been in the ministry about 35 years, loves the Lord, loves his wife, you know. And we went, one afternoon, we went bowling with the staff. And he was standing up there about to bowl, and we were, you know, back here. And I was, we were talking and having a good time, and I got to kind of noticing that he was standing up there a long time. And I just kind of kept glancing up there, waiting, and he's just standing there, you know, like that. And all of a sudden, the worship pastor, you know, we're talking, he glanced out, and then he went, oh, no, he's gone again. And I said, what do you mean he's gone again? He said, he prays in the Spirit all the time. He prays in the Spirit in the car. He prays in the Spirit walking down the hall. We can hear him like an like a airplane, you know, coming down the hall, passes our office. It gets louder, and then it gets softer, you know. He, just, he prays in the Spirit all the time. He said, and, and sometimes he'll just get lost. He'll just forget where he is because he just kind of gets caught up in the Spirit. He said, just go up there and see. He said, go up there and see. I thought, I don't want to go up. He said, go. And the guy just stood there like five minutes, you know. So finally I thought, well, I'm going to go. So I kind of, you know, walk up, you know. And here I get up there, and here's this guy standing there like this going. And so I just kind of quietly walk back, and we sit back there for like ten more minutes. Standing there holding a the bowling ball. And all of a sudden he goes. Sorry. <laughs> So later I said to him, what's the deal? Your staff tells me you do this all the time, you know. And he said, yeah. So I said, well, what? I said, why do you pray in the Spirit so much? Now, now listen, this is so simple. And it just, I couldn't, even, I couldn't hardly believe I'm asking the question. couldn't even hardly believe the answer. I, want you to, I said, now, why do you do that so much? This is what he said. Well, the Bible says it builds you up. It was like he was saying to me, what do you mean, why do I do it? The Bible says it builds you up. And then he said to me, I figure I need all the building up I can get. What do you figure? <laughs> hey, have you ever, and you don't need to raise your hand because you all will, but ha have you ever had a storm hit, you know, in the Christian life? You ever had just a, a big problem, a situation, tough thing? You, you know, you ever had a storm hit? How about this one? You ever had more than one storm hit at once? That'd probably be a good time to build yourselves up, wouldn't it? <laughs> Some of you say, man, I've been in a storm for seven years. <laughs> well, build yourself up. So it's biblical. It strengthens us. And here's the third thing. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now, listen to me carefully. The Holy Spirit is not going to make you pray in the Spirit. It's a choice. He's not going to make you tithe. He's not going to make you treat your wife right. He's not going to make you pray in English. He's not going to make you read your Bible. And He's not going to make you pray in the Spirit. It's your choice. It is your choice how much you're going to build yourself up. 
I know that there's this, this, this thought about praying in the Spirit like that it's uncontrollable. And there's a fear, you know, that we have kind of like, you know, if I ever really yield myself to the Holy Spirit, you know, one day I'll be in, in Kroger's. And I'll just grab that microphone and start praying in spirit over the, you know, I just don't want to do that. So I want to kind of yield to the Holy Spirit slowly, you know, because he's a little, you know, crazy. No, it's not uncontrollable. We just, there's a whole chapter in the Bible about how you control it. There's a whole chapter in the Bible about when you do it and when you don't do it. So why would he write us instructions about how and when to do it if it's uncontrollable? You can control it. It's up to you how much you're going to pray in the Spirit, how much you're going to build yourselves up, when you're going to do it, where you're going to do it. It's up to you. It's your choice. And it's important. The reason it's important, now listen to me carefully, is because I'm about to show you some scripture that says if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. It says if you can get your tongue under control, actually if the Holy Spirit can control your tongue, everything else will line up. That's what it says. This is going to blow you away. Now, you in James chapter 3. Remember I asked you to put a marker there? James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, the reason teachers receive, receive a stricter judgment is because more words. We're going to be judged by our words. He says, listen, if you're going to get up and talk, you're going to get a stricter judgment because you're going to be using your tongue more. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. That's unbelievable. If any man does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Do you see that? He says if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. You can control your appetites, everything. You can control your tongue. Now watch this. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. That's the tongue. Turns the whole ship. Watch this. Wherever the pilot desires. The pilot here represents the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. He wants to be able to turn, he wants to be able to turn your tongue so he can turn the rest of you. Even so, the tongue is a little member in both great things. See how great a forest the little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Now, this next statement, I want you to memorize it sometime this week if you can. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. That's amazing to me. Now, just come on, think about it. Have you ever had a problem with your body? Have you ever had a problem with your appetite? Have you ever had a problem with lust? Have you ever had a problem with sexual appetites, physical appetites? Have you ever had a problem with body? Listen to what this says. This says it's your tongue. That's what it says. It says if you can, if, if you only yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit, He can take care of the rest of things in your body too. This is amazing to me. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. 
and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. They say, well, that's, that's bad news. You just told me if I could control it. No, no man can. But God can. But it has to be yielded. The tongue must be yielded to and controlled by the Spirit, or we're in trouble. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Do you agree these things ought not to be? Okay, how are we going to overcome this, though? Have you ever said something and wished you could take it back? Have you ever had a problem with your tongue? Anyone here ever had a problem saying things the wrong way with your tongue? Well, what, wouldn't it be wonderful to yield our tongue to the Holy Spirit several times a day? And yield our tongue to Him and say, listen, I'm not going to be in control of it. I'm going to let you be in control of it. I'm going to yield it to you. I'm going to yield my tongue. I'm going to yield my mouth to you. And what the Scripture is telling us is if we'll yield our tongue to the Holy Spirit, everything else will fall in line. This, this is why it is so amazing to me about a prayer language and why there's so much controversy over it. Because, again, Satan knows what's going to happen if you ever yield your tongue to God. It's that one thing that we want to hold on to. And the Holy Spirit is saying, give it to me. Give me your tongue and watch what happens in the rest of your life. Plus, you're going to be built up. Have you ever uh, read in Proverbs where it says there are six things the Lord hates, even seven are an abomination to him? You ever heard of that? Three out of the seven have to do with your tongue. Three out of seven things that God hates has to do with the man's tongue. Let me just show them to you. Right? Six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. Second one is a lying tongue. So that has to do with your tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift and running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. That has to do with your tongue. And one who sows discord among the brothers. That has to do with your tongue. Three out of seven has to do with the tongue. Is that amazing? It's a pretty big deal to allow the Holy Spirit to pray with our tongue. We decide if and how much we're going to pray in tongues. Your spirit wants to talk. <laughs> Your spirit wants to talk. Your spirit wants to pray. When you get to heaven, you're going to have the very same spirit that you have now. You're, I said this a few weeks ago about our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes. We're learning to hear in the spirit. We're learning to see in the spirit. But here's something else that we get to learn to do on this earth. It's so exciting. We get to learn to speak in the spirit. So that when we get to heaven, we can talk. Now, here's the thing. Here, if you ask him for it, okay, think about this. I've talked to a lot of people about praying in the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is what's amazing. This is how good of a job Satan has done. Because I say, now, wouldn't you, don't you want to pray in the Spirit? Don't you want to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is what people say. They say, well, yes, I do. But I just don't want something that's of the devil. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? You're going to ask God for something. You're his child. You're going to ask God for something in purity and integrity, and God is going to give you a demon. 
Oh, Lord, please give me the Holy Spirit. Okay, here's the demon. <laughs> Played a trick on you, didn't I? You really think God's going to give you a demon if you ask for the Holy Spirit? Who do you think convinced you of that one? And did you know there's a scripture that's very specific that says he won't give you a demon if you ask for the Holy Spirit? Did you know that? Luke 11 says, if a son, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, watch this, will he give him a, what? A serpent. Instead of a fish, or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Serpents and scorpions represent demons. He says, if you ask me, you think I'm going to give you a serpent or a scorpion? If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's not giving. Okay, here's my advice to you. When you're alone sometime, when you're alone, that's why I'm, I'm not saying come down here to the altar and we're going to keep you here until you mumble something. <laughs> yeah. You ever been in places like that? Well, you just feel so bad. Finally, you get hungry, so you do something, so you can go to lunch. <laughs> you walk away and say, that wasn't God. That wasn't God. And they say, you got it, brother. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about manipulation. When you, and, I, and, and it's embarrassing, too. I understand that. So here's my advice. When you get alone, sometime when you get alone in God's presence, put a worship CD in. Start worshiping God, and when you sense His presence, listen to me carefully, open your mouth and start talking. Open your mouth and start speaking in a language that you don't know. It's not going to pop out of you. You're just, it's by faith. It's like anything else. It's by faith. It's like giving. It's like praying. It's like reading your Bible. It's by faith. Just do it. And I know we say, well, I just want God to, you know, and one, someone said one time, well, I, it just didn't sound like a language. Well, what, what did your children sound like when they started talking? Did your children start with perfect diction and perfect enunciation when they started talking? Now, I know some even do it even quicker than others. You know, uh, Josh, who's, he's in from college this weekend, boy, when he was two years old, he, he, was, he was a speaker. You know, he used to call his belly button his umbilical structure. <laughs> I mean, he could enunciate. Um, now, James, he, he didn't care to talk, you know, and because Josh was such a great talker, James didn't talk for a long time. He would talk some. We didn't understand what he was saying, but Josh understood. We'd be at the table, and James would say, ba-da-ba-da-ba, and Josh would say, uh, he said he wants more corn. <laughs> See, James had tongues. Josh had interpretation of tongues. <laughs> it worked out great. But when little kids are learning to talk, they don't do, listen. Just it's okay if you say, "Well, it just doesn't sound that good." It's okay. It's just you and God. God's not gonna make fun of you. It'll grow. You'll learn. But step out. See, we've got this. We've got this misconception that it's gonna pop out of us. It's just gonna, you know, we're gonna be someday at Nordstrom's and it just pops out when we're talking to the salesman. First, you know, I'd like to look at some suits and stuff like that. No. Do you know the other gifts don't just pop out of you? See, today when you leave, when you walk by that offering box back there, I'll bet you anything that a check is not just going to pop out of your pocket and go into the offering. Well, I got the gift of giving. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've been praying for that gift. No, it's not going to just pop out of you, right? 
you're going to have to take out your checkbook, take out a pen, and write a very large check. I mean, we're talking about the gift of giving. It's a large check, and you're going to have to put it in. Is, is that right? It's not just going to pop out of you. It's, it's, it's not going to pop out of you. Open your mouth and start by faith. If for no other reason, then this book says it'll build you up. Just start doing it. Trust God. And let me tell you my experience. Uh, Debbie and I were baptized in the Holy Spirit the same night, August the 15th, 1983. So, I guess about 18 years ago. And that night she spoke in tongues. A few words, just a few little words. Uh, I felt this welling up in me, like I could just preach, you know. And the person laying hands on me said to me, it's Pastor Olin Griffin, Shady Grove. He said, he said do, you, do you just feel like there's something welling up in you? I said, yes. He said, well, just speak it. And I did. Well, what I realized was later I prophesied, you know. Acts 19 says I spoke with tongues and prophesied. And I didn't speak with tongues the first time. And Debbie began to grow in this. And I kept saying, Lord, please give me the gift of tongues. Have you ever, I've had people say this. You know, I've asked the Lord to give it to me. And, you know, I just trust God. You know, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Well, that's not it. If this is not the gift of tongues that is to be interpreted. This is a prayer language that every believer can pray in. So uh, I kept praying, Lord, I want you to give it to me and all this, you know. And so then one Sunday morning, we were getting ready for church about two months after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, I just kept noticing that Debbie had this kind of smile on her face like she knew something that I didn't know, you know. And she just kind of, you know, like that. And I, so I said, what, what are you smiling about, Nephew? She's going on. I said, no, no, come here, what are you smiling about, Nephew? So I, you know, I came and said, sit down, you know, woman, what, talk, talk to me here. What, what are you smiling about? And this, she said, well, I, I don't want to embarrass you. Oh, wait, now we got to talk. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean you don't want to embarrass me? She said, well, I caught you last night. I said, caught me? Caught me what? She said, well, I couldn't sleep. I got up, went in the living room to read the Bible, came back into the bedroom, and I caught you. Caught me what? I said. She said, you know. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. What? She said, well, you were speaking in tongues. I said, what? Yes. I said, I was speaking in tongues last night. She said, I said, I was asleep. I said, are you, are you kidding with me? Are you serious now? She said, yeah. You were, I said, how long? A long time. <laughs> and see, what I figured out is, since then, I was so hard-headed that my spirit had to put me to sleep so he could pray. <laughs> had to wait until I went to sleep so it could pray. Because I was so hard-headed. You know, if you think about it, too, God also put Adam and Abraham to sleep when he wanted to work in their lives. Men are just that way. <laughs> and so I thought, well, Lord, if I can do it when I'm asleep, I'd like to do it when I'm awake. I kept asking him to give it to me. And so I talked to uh, Pastor Olin about it, and he said, no, no, just do it. Just when you're alone, same advice I gave you, when you're alone, put on some worship music and just do it. So I did. And it didn't sound good, you know. It didn't sound like what I'd heard. And I didn't feel anything either. So I said to him, I think I don't have it. It's not right. It doesn't sound right. He said, just keep doing it. Okay, so a couple of months went by. He said, you still doing it? Yes. I said, but it still doesn't sound good, and it 
Still done. I don't still feel anything. He said, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Six months later, six months, I'm walking around the swimming pool at a hotel. They're preaching in the city. And his son was just coming up, just barely coming up, because I'll never forget it. And I thought, well, I'm going to try. And I started like I'd done for six months before, and all of a sudden, it was different. It was a language. It was as if I was preaching. I felt the anointing so strong. And I just, I mean, I just kept going. And I, it, was flu- it was like, man, I just kept going. Oh, and I just kept going. It felt so good. And then all of a sudden, I'd feel like, like anger almost. Like I was, you know, I, was, I, was, I knew I was taking authority over something. I was out there. I was walking around that pool. <laughs> And then I was just, you know, by now people are waking up, you know. But So, I mean, I'm just doing, I remember kneeling at the diamond board, just crying and speaking it for an hour. I mean, I called Brother O. I said, oh, I, 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 I said, it happened, it happened. He said, how long did it take? I said, six months. He said, yes, it takes hard-headed people a long time. <laughs> How hard-headed are you? <laughs> it's biblical. It builds itself. 